As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. That is Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. You know, anything travels that far out of have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? High drive! Left field! It is out of here! This is a simple game. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. You got it! You're listening to The Roundtable with Grant Brisby, Andy McCullough, and Mark Carrig on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 33 of The Roundtable. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy McCullough and Mark Carrig. Uh, we've got a full boat here, gentlemen, for the first time in uh, uh, gosh, about a month. So I guess we got to catch Mark up. Mark, Astros won the World Series. Uh, they did what? Yeah, yeah. They did. I think that's all I got. They beat the Yankees. Yeah, they beat the Yankees. Beat the Can you Yankees. believe that? The unbeatable <laughs> Yankees. Remember how good they were in the summer? That was wild. That was wild. How are you guys doing? Uh, Mark, I'll start with you. Mark, how are you doing? Oh, we're doing fine. Just glad to be back here on the program Andy, with you, you and the glue guy. Mark, do not take a big sip of your coffee mug that says James Click deserves a multi-year contract. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> They didn't extend him. Did the Braves extend him? <laughs> the Bra- yeah. the Bra- Alex Anthopoulos signed him to a 15-year deal. <laughs> Man, good for the Clickster. James Click stood up for himself, uh, walked away from a situation where he was clearly disrespected. Uh, he earned the respect of his peers. That's certainly for sure that at the GM meetings, it was a pretty consistent drumbeat of uh, people being irritated on James Click's behalf. He handled himself with uh, dignity and uh, he'll probably be running a team again. Uh, if not, you know, next year, no, but in the future. And uh, hey, he won a World Series. No one's ever going to take that away from him. That's uh, an impressive feat. I would say that that is, I don't want to speak for James Click. I just think that that seems like the dream to win the World Series and then have a gap year 
before everyone is knocking at your door. Because <laughs> GMs are just a wild, it's a bananas job. I could never do it. You just have to be a shell of yourself as you go through and, and devote your life to the profession. Take a gap year. You know, see what's uh, good. Go, go see some museums. I think it's perfect. The counter would be income. Uh, and uh, that we live in a capitalist society that requires, you know, money for goods and services. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, a gap year sounds fun too. I, but I mean, he's a he's like one of the not original baseball prospectus guys, but a baseball prospectus ventures guy. Uh, so he's probably got a real sweet nest egg from all that baseball prospectus money. <laughs> <laughs> the baseball, the BP fortune. The BP it. fortune. He's an heir to old the BP money. fortune. Yeah. Oh, yeah, old money. Yeah. Like, you know, this is, we're, we're going to be at the winter meetings uh, not too long from now. And we were talking about it before coming on. And, you know, every year you get all these hopefuls that, that mingle in the lobby. They want so badly to work in this sport. And the James Click thing is a reminder, man, this sport's brutal. Yeah. It's rough. Yeah. <laughs> you want a World Series and you know he's out of a job right now unless like he's already caught on to his you know surely waiting special assistantship somewhere you know also known as gm gap year as you say um, <laughs> yeah i mean alex Andopoulos is the model for that actually you know he he chose to resign after the uh the blue jays installed uh mark shapiro ahead of him uh, is it shapiro or shapiro i actually never there's there's anyway whatever that guy, Mark, they put him above him as the president <laughs> and uh, Anthopoulos, you know, resigned. Uh, and then he uh, took a few years to work in the Dodgers organization, which he described as like executive grad school. And then went and is, you know, helped uh, continue their turn the Braves back into a juggernaut. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think like it is a brutal business. And I think that was something at the GM meetings that a lot of guys were sort of, you know, kind of grousing about because like, I don't know, Will Sam and I are working on kind of a story about this um, for next week, just about like executive burnout, right? Like it's a job that like it requires uh, <clears throat> like a lot in order to do it well. Um, also, like as Don Draper once said, that's what the money's for, you know? So like it's kind of a hard thing to like grouse about, but it is something that I think, you know, privately execs talk about of just like work-life balance, you know, like what are we exactly doing this for? You know, James Click won the World Series, doesn't even get a multi-year deal. David Stearns, you know, stepped down kind of citing uh, just like a bit of a burnout, you know, that sort of thing. So I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a more uh, persistent drumbeat I found among the executive class than in than in other years, if that makes sense. Would I can't you... imagine that the job's ever been harder. That's than what it is now. That's what some guys were sort of saying. Is um, I think it's always been a hard job, right? Like it's always been really hard. It's also an extremely privileged job, to be clear, right? Like there's uh, you get paid a ton of money, you know, you get to do really cool stuff, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, the scrutiny is hard. The decision-making has become really narrow in a way. There's a lot of jump balls, you know, it seems like, um, a lot of like 52, 48 type decisions that can really grind on you. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, but again, like that's what, that's what the money's for. And there's always going to be someone waiting in the wings, you know, ready, ready to do it. But, um, this idea, the way I think it was, uh, uh, Peter Bendix, the uh, the younger GM for the uh, the Rays, put it to me is like no one who has this job. They do, the job is not what you envisioned it being when you got started in baseball. You know, for better or for worse. Like there's certain things about it that are better, but it's not like you know a rip roaring good time. Yeah, it 
Would you think that it's possible that the ownership class is now viewing GMs as more interchangeable than they used to be? Like it got to a point where uh, veterans on the free agent market were devalued because all the GMs said, well, you know, we can replicate this production. It's we, we figured out how to stretch this from this kind of free agent and that. Our owners looking at GMs and like, I I found this James Click. I'll just find the next James Click. Is, is there like an arrogance that, that comes along with that? Is there an arrogance among the ownership class? Yeah, I mean, like, I don't want to break news here on this podcast. but <laughs> I mean, to, it just depends. I mean, it, it just depends. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think the, the Click situation, I think, is pretty different from – some of the other situations because there's a lot of ways that Jim Crane could have handled this that would have made it less of a black eye on the organization. You know, um, as I often say on this podcast, you know, as Joel Sherman said first, uh, I believe, you know, if you, if, if you theoretically wanted to, um, wanted to move on from James Click because for whatever reason you felt like there was, you know, you needed a different voice or you didn't agree with him philosophically, you could have offered him a multi-year deal with the sort of tacit understanding of like, look, you know, I might let you go at the, after year one of this or whatever. And you just kind of eat it. But Crane made a point of doing the one year deal, which was such a sort of brazen, you know, sort of act of disrespect that, that I, I, it's hard to foresee most of the other owners engaging in that. Um, you know, for example, Dave Dombrowski lost the World Series uh, and he just got a three year contract, uh, you know, right. from. Uh, Brian Cashman lost to uh, James Click's Astros as well. And he's, you know, I don't even know if he has a con. Who knows? But he, I assume Cashman <laughs> will get a multi-year deal. He's been just like an employee at will all offseason. <laughs> but there's he's no, got that uh, Tim Wakefield contract where like every year he just opts back in. Well, we just uh, in a, like yeah. a hundred-year contract. We've, we've talked. We, I don't know. The cat. Yeah. Anyway, we're far afield Look, already, but whatever. I think what we're seeing here is a couple different things. The first one is, you know, we're talking about how difficult the GM job is. Well, part of that difficulty is managing up. Mm -hmm. Your relationship with the owner is massive. You know, how you guys learn how to work together, the push and pull that's inherent in that kind of job. That's all very, you know, human level stuff. And because it's human level stuff, you know, you're talking about, is this like a trend, right? Grand, like, is it our, our owners? And Andy said it, man. I think it's dependent on the owner. Like, all of these guys yeah. handle their business <clears throat> differently. And, you know, I think it's, you know, part of the reason why a lot of the folks that run teams look the same because the owners look the same. And therefore, you know, this is what you sort of like gravitate toward. It's sort of like, you know, in baseball, a thing that happens kind of everywhere. Right. So I think that's one aspect of it. I think the other part of this thing, when you talk about burnout, Andy, is that just in the time that we've covered the sport, how much bigger have these front offices gotten? Mm. How much more complicated have they gotten? How many more stakeholders do you have to get to buy in? You know, I was talking to um, Haim Bloom not long after he got the Red Sox job and, and the conversation turned into, you know, thoughts on leadership. And I thought that was interesting. So much of how he frames it is just like, you know, are you empowering people? Um, you know, are you getting them to work together? Are you getting to pull on like all the cliches? Mm -hmm. But I mean, when you really think about it and you're dealing with human beings that have their own aspirations, that have their own visions, to try to get them all in one place, going in the one, in one direction, is an incredibly difficult job. And I think a lot of folks that watch the sport, 
are looking at GMs and they focused on one tiny element of it, which is the roster building. Yeah, transactional. Oh, I can be building. a GM. I, I can, you know, I, any, right. anyone can see that they need a left field. And it's like, no. And, and when so when Peter Bendix, I've known for a long time, right? Peter's a really thoughtful guy. I think that's an interesting thing that he said about it. it's not the job you think it's going to be. I think most fans see this as we're going to go in and fix the roster. And what really the GM is, is like dealing with all these people. Mm-hmm. that are in charge of helping you build that roster. And that is an extremely complicated, emotionally draining. Um, and then, by the way, you also got to manage upward. I mean, that's it's a brutal job. Yeah. I If I took over a team, the first thing I would do is I would send an email out at midnight and ask my employees to simply be more hardcore. <laughs> that is, I think I'm hearing what you're saying, and that's where I would go with it. Oh my God. Sleep in the office. Yeah, sleep Hit in the your office. Bags in. Get hardcore. Yeah. Right. right. How's that working out? Right. Good? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, I guess we should focus or move on to some off-season stuff. Uh, first off, Andy, are you drinking coffee out of a wine tumbler? Or are you? Just <laughs> yeah, that's what I drink my coffee out of. Are you just rip roaring at at noon? I, dude, I wish I was just getting trashed right now on the pod, but uh, no, man. Those uh, no, I'm just drinking coffee. Yeah, is this a wine? I guess this is a wine glass. Um, okay, no, we'll we'll save the the trashed roundtable for the winter meetings. We will just uh, go in. That would, roar, but okay, that so. would be fun. Yeah, that would be fun. I was trying to make a joke about James Click like making trades on Instagram, but that just didn't work. I was trying to figure that out, you know, like, but I couldn't. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I can't, I can't figure out the going from – I just want to say, I just – Please. Briefly. Briefly. Twitter is a very – is what has at various times been a uh, very fulfilling uh, social media thing. Um, we can't start breaking news on Instagram. That is – as Jose Altuve once said, it is a website for pictures, nice pictures. <laughs> Where you look – at pictures okay i just can't i can't i'm not going to have to get an instagram account so that i can see the news i will just read it on the news sites i think i i I don't care about being first i'll just let it trickle down to me at some point and the fact that you can't even i found out you can't post links in instagram (laughs) you have to like put it in your bio so you can't put up a post that has a link in it what are we doing? <laughs> like, let's just give away the news completely for free. <laughs> like, with no benefit to our company. You don't even get that 5% click. You don't even rate. get the, yeah, you don't even get the 100 people who actually click through your story to read it. Like, it's just, Man, I, I, here's a nice picture of a person who signed. I started to work Instagram for like literally one reason. And that's the reason. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just yeah. to use that pic, because yeah. like, how perfect is that? It's like, man, like this sucks. Yeah. For, yeah. for our audio listeners, uh, this is Mark holding up a picture of Andy McCullough in some sort of distress. Yeah. Yes. I'm on gonna, this podcast, as a matter of fact. I think so I'll start. I might start a work Instagram yeah, yeah. to uh, just like uh, just post book stuff to just be to be a book hype guy. But that's just my personal life. That's not you know. Anyway, that's all. We can move on. I just. Yeah. What are we doing? Uh, we, what are we doing? 
Yeah, no, I am. Uh, I started. I did like a McCovey Chronicles Instagram for like two hours, and, and that was seven years ago. That nothing is. I have planted my flag in my personal boomerism with Instagram. I refuse to figure out how it works. I refuse <laughs> to sign up and be active. Uh, I tried. I like tried to do a story once, and I couldn't figure it out. And that's it. Nope, done. I am an old man who gets on Twitter and rails about capitalism. Yeah, like, you know, like that is that is my niche. I am the the prototypical Twitter user. It was, no it thanks. was awesome the other night when everyone was like, I think Twitter is going to break like to at any moment. And then everyone just woke up and it's still working. Like, I don't know. It might break. It could be breaking right now, but like it's breaking. Slow. It's it, deteriorating gonna, in, in subtle ways. We're never going to be allowed to leave. What's the over under you think on the last McCovey Chronicles Instagram post? <laughs> what date would you give this grant? See, see, I don't know if I gave the keys to the new people when they took over the site. Uh, but if I didn't give the keys, I'm going to say I was trying to be a good soldier in like 2014 or 2015 or something. 2016 is the answer. And here's a picture of you flipping off a Jeff Sullivan tweet. <laughs> <laughs> That is, that's good content. That is. Uh, I should have kept that up. Yeah. That is. Uh, I'd be an oh, influencer Here's a, a Bruce Bochy gnome. <laughs> that's good. This is some oh good content. Like, oh, I can't a, believe you didn't keep dome. this going. So that, yeah. I think that's the point. That's a, right? Oh, yeah. I get Because he's got a tiny big little hat. He's got a big head. Right. Because Bochy has a big head. So. It's also just terrifying in general more than big head. But yeah, I don't know. I just say that that's my old man stuff. But I got. All right. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's uh, stop looking at our belly buttons and let us uh, do some hot stove content. Uh, what? How hot would you say the stove is on a scale of uh, the stove's off to youch my hand? Uh, it's it's kind of like uh, you're just getting the, the water boiling right now. Yeah, right? it's it feels like a normal stove. Like it's heating yeah. up, right? Like I think – Last year at this time, there was more of a frenzy because the lockout was coming. Um, mm. I think this year with uh, no artificial end date, which by the way, the owners did, uh, which no uh, artificial sort of uh, shutdown coming. Uh, You're been, only going to hear that on this. The We're the only <laughs> ones who will point out that the owners, the owner initiated lockout. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So um, – 
without that, I mean, teams are free to kind of take their time. And so, you know, you hear the standard, like Aaron judge says, he'd like to get this over sooner rather than later. So his, you know, his new team or current team or whichever team he signs with can, uh, you know, do other stuff this winter. And it's like, yeah, okay. You know, it'll also probably be whoever offers the most money. I mean, and, or whatever, or maybe not, who knows. But uh, I think, I think things are going to play out at a relatively <clears throat> straightforward pace. I think, I do not think we will find ourselves in a situation uh, like 2018, uh, going into 2019, where Machado and Harper signed so late. I think we're, I think that that sort of mini era of you know fake austerity has passed. Um, I think enough teams have sort of you know reset themselves luxury tax wise or figured out luxury tax wise that they're not you know uh, handcuffing themselves for you know no reason. So there's enough teams in the water. Um, but yeah, I mean it's you know Cody Bellinger being a free agent makes the center field market a little more interesting. It'll be fun to watch you know Scott Boris play him and Brandon Nimmo together. Um, you know there's there's a lot to. It's, it's the usual, right? You know, Justin Verlander's out there, Jacob DeGrom, lots of good players. They're all talking to the teams with lots of money. And it's uh, just kind of a waiting game to see who's going to jump and then the dominoes start to go. Right, Mark? It seems like that's pretty typical. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think last year was such an anomaly because, like you said, the, the lockout created that weird frenzy. Yeah. Um, you know, I hope we don't see that Manny Machado, Bryce Harper thing. I thought that was terrible. Waiting until March, like, my goodness, that, I don't know. It's kind of a drag. I, you know, I, I think I'm always tempted by folks. I think Billy Epler said this recently just about that. Why can't it just be like the NBA, you know, like the, the frenzy, the short window, right? Like where I, it all gets done quickly. Mm. Can't ever see it happening here, but like, man, it would be fun. But anyway. Yeah. Um, it would be, no. it'd be interesting if it was like the NBA. I'm trying to think what the NBA has that baseball. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm <laughs> just trying to, oh, there's like a yeah. thing. There's like two words for it. Um, yes, one now it would be a cap. What? Yeah, that's what it is. No, rev, Salary cap. A cap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's weird <laughs> that they are able to create weird. this frenzy because it's like they can only offer a so weird. I don't know. Anyway, he ain't the glue guy for nothing, Grant. I here's the thing. I actually want to do the research because right now Andy's got on his uh, video screen his little title is glue guy, and I want to run the numbers because uh, I think I want to do that meme. You know the the. Um, Tom Hanks movie where, you know, the piracy and I was like, Hey, look at, look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm, I'm the glue now. I'm the glue now. Like, that's what I think. Oh. I'm the glue. I think Captain, I'm the glue. I Captain think Phillips. I am the Captain, Captain Phillips. Yes. There you go. There what you a go. great scene that is. Like I was just saying Ugh. that to someone the other day, how awesome that scene is because everybody knows yeah. that reference. It's, everybody. It's wonderful. It's, yeah. It's a great, it's the well ending believable. of that movie well, is the ending. Of that movie's crazy, right? The, when he, and he acts out the post-traumatic stress, that's, ooh. So that's some good I, actoring by that Tom Cruise. I, <laughs> I don't watch movies. I just experience uh, Hollywood through memes. So there you go. That is, uh, that's one of my favorite all-time movies, though. I've only seen the meme, but that meme is fantastic. Fantastic. Um, so name a phrase. Just any, either one of you, just uh, give me one name, and I, I, let me tell you my thoughts. I've got my ear on the ground, uh, and I've been hearing a lot of rumors. So give me one name. Where's Aaron Judge going? Yeah, where's Aaron Judge uh, Giants going? or Rangers? All right, uh, another name. <laughs> where's Jacob DeGrom going? Uh, Giants or Rangers? Uh, another name. Justin Verlander. Uh, Giants or Rangers are interested. Like, it just feels like <laughs> yeah, every yeah, – yeah, yeah, yeah. there yeah. are some seasons where it's like yeah. Blue Jays. 
Blue Jays, Mets, right, Mets, Blue Jays. Right, right. This is the Giants Rangers offseason to be linked to everyone. So I don't know. I don't know where anyone's going. I think, uh, <clears> but it's weird to me that the Rangers are seemingly just still after it. Like I don't. Well, it's not like uh, Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager were disasters. I don't think it worked out as well as they thought it might. But they're doubling down on that idea, maybe. I think when you invest half a billion dollars in two guys, right, you got to keep going. I mean, they they built, have to. They sort of, you know, they built this that huge stadium, which, uh, you know, aesthetically, is what it is. Um, but it's a new ballpark, and there's a whole infrastructure around it that you know you'd like to get people in. Um, they've made a big investment in that. Um, they, you know, they're talking up their farm system, and you you got to kind of keep pushing. I mean, I think you can't just you can't stop with just the two guys. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, this is, you're right. That is, this is the sort of off season where like anytime there's a player out there, you're like, you know where he would fit is uh, the Rangers. Like pretty much, you know, besides the shortstops, right. Since they signed two last year. Um, right, right. But like, yeah, they're, they're definitely, I, I still, I think they're the, not favorites, but it would, I think Dick DeGrom will sign there. If only because I think they might be the team willing to go five years. Uh I mean, yeah, right. But like, if you're yeah. if you're going if you're going nuts, right? Yeah. The the the, the sensible offer is like two, right? The offer it's going to take is at least three. The one that it will actually be is four, and then you know who's willing to go five? Does that make so, sense? Yeah, yeah, I actually didn't think about this because I always thought that uh, Degrom would be like Carlos Rodon, but more so, where he would do a one-year deal with the player options. So, like a one-year deal for thirty million with a player option at thirty million. He gets hurt; it's a one-year sixty million dollar deal uh, in some respects. But he might be the guy that doesn't necessarily want to get out on the market again next year uh, because there's no—he's just as risky as Rodon in a different way. But maybe that getting that five years right now, uh, that's going to be good for him. Man, I hate to be the Texas Rangers right now. They're stuck, right? They have to move forward. Mm-hmm. They have to. And it's not like – I think the, the issue is that what they're looking for, which is that top-end pitching, obviously there's not that many of those guys sitting out there. And the ones that are, they're all, they've got some kind of question mark attached to them. Mm-hmm. So, like, what do you do, right? Like, there's not a – you know, we talk about is this a good contract? Well, you're going to take a lot of risk with any of those people. Mm-hmm. But like, if you're the Rangers, like Andy said, man, they went crazy last winter. Like, you can't stop now. And like, you've got this brand new ballpark in which it seems like every team in baseball is making memories there, except for yours, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, Levi Weaver wrote a clever thing about how you know there's a World Series that's been played there that did not include the Texas Rangers. There, you know, Aaron Judge hit his historic home run there, does not play for the Texas Rangers. There's gonna be an all-star game there they just announced very soon. So like all these like big ticket, like cool things have happened on their field and none of them have to do with the Texas Rangers. And so at some point, um, you know, like when they when they spent like that last December, I think it was. It was actually right before the shutdown. I want to say, mm-hmm. um, you know that that kind of like was a signal right there, right? Like that you can't if it doesn't work this time, then you've got to keep going. And with them, it means pitching. I kind of wonder what happens though. Like if I, I mean, given all the risk involved with some of these names we're <clears> talking <throat> about, let's say they come out and they don't get that pitching, what do you do? Right? right? Like, do you go and like and you? get another outfielder and like just you know like go crazy there like what do you do it, it's like it feels like a really difficult spot for them 
Um, and you know, the Astros aren't going away in that division either, right? Like, so you're, you're going to have to compete against the juggernaut. Um, yeah, I mean, it's tough. Like, it's interesting, but it feels like there's not like a lot of like decisions there that don't involve a ton of risk. Yeah. I mean, you look at the three, the three big pitchers, right? You got DeGrom was thrown 150 innings in the past two years. You got Rodon, who was like non-tendered two years ago, which, mm-hmm. you know, maybe is a financial decision, but still the fact that it was even considered, right? And Justin Verlander, who like just had a dead man's ligament put in his elbow, you know, like or whatever it was. Maybe it came from his thigh, but as Adam Kilgore once said, you know, about Steven Strasburg, the reason he got shut down is he has a dead man's ligament in his right arm. I love that line. Get that uh, cadaver you know, I mean, like whatever. He has elbow. <laughs> his elbow was surgically reconstructed relatively recently, and he's 39 years old. Like, mm-hmm. do you feel good about any of those guys on a long-term basis? Ah. I mean, it's it's pitching, right? So it's so um, it's so risky. I mean, it, it, you know, Mark, what you're saying about Texas, right? Like, uh, brings up the concept, you know, of optionality, right? Which is something that Andrew Friedman and the various Tampa Bay uh, diaspora talks about a lot. This concept, you know, that Stu Sternberg really brought into that organization, and it's you know not uh, it's used elsewhere, but they're the ones who kind of maybe <laughs> espouse it the most uh, often. And it's the idea of basically being able to do anything but not being forced to do something never being in a position where you have to do something um and you know like the rangers kind of got to keep going right but maybe if they Mm -hmm. don't sign one of those pitchers they that's you know they they will be happy that they made that move per se but also like if you don't sign one of those pitchers and you lose 85 games again or whatever like it's hard to be like oh great job guys we did it you know like what a what a success and that's one of the hard parts of you know trying to rebuild when you got a juggernaut in their division i think it's uh, when you are talking about this potential for the rangers if they can't get a pitcher if they sign a, some outfielders they get some more help for the lineup and then they turn into this lineup heavy team that appeals to me as a guy <laughs> who who like got into baseball in the late 90s and my image of the rangers is always going to be just in 1999 <laughs> yeah. they won 95 games yeah and they had their lowest year in the the rotation was aaron seeley with 4.7 that's now. right they had john yeah. burkett 5.62 era mike morgan almost 46.24 mark clark made 15 starts his era is 8.60 that team won 90 Five games and it was funny as hell, and I think they should do it again. Is that Juan <laughs> Gonzalez and Pudge and all of them? Yeah, I mean that. Right? Would be I mean Juan I, Gonzalez I, was crazy good. I feel like in '99, without looking at the numbers, that that to be like one of his better years. He was three thirty-two with thirty-five homers. Palmero, Rusty career. Oh, uh, like cow. Royce Clayton has a eight hundred OPS for that team. Like that team was freaking amazing, but they, they raked. Hit. Yeah, well, do it again. Mitch Garver slugged four oh four this past year so is that good i mean is it i think it is isn't it i actually don't know what is good and what's a good slugging percentage now Um, what's the league average is uh, what four four oh well i'm gonna look it up because i'm a (laughs) i'm a professional uh league average slugging is wow 395 all right so that's above Uh, holy cow 420 430 now he did yeah. hit he did have a 298 that's mlb wide it's a three a 243 average yeah two 243 batting average, 312 on base percentage, 395 slugging percentage. Those are the averages for the 2022 Major League Baseball universe. Learn something new every day. Uh, yeah. You know, 
Wow. Put that in your pipe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I think, uh, it, well, there are some players, it feels like with the ball, I don't know if it's the ball, it's changing. I don't know if it's the dead ball or, or whatever. I haven't uh, been caught up on that discourse, but I was looking at Jesse Winker uh, the other day as mm-hmm. is, you know, are the Mariners going to trade him? And it just seems like there's this class of player who lost all their power at once. And he's one of them. The Giants had a couple of them. Uh, different Brandons had a, a power outage like that. And it just seems like if there was a change to the ball, maybe it affected some players more than others. I don't know. I'm just glad I'm not a GM for several reasons. I think we talked about. I don't know. I mean, like when Alan Craig stopped hitting, I don't know if people like blamed anyone besides, you know, like Alan Craig. And that's not to rip Alan Craig. You know, I'm just coming up with like a guy who like was a really, you know, top flight hitter and then stopped being one. Like, I I don't know. Part, part of the thing that I get sort of annoyed with with the ball discourse is it just sort of makes it so, like, when players stop performing, like, oh, we have an explanation. It's like the ball's different. It's like, well, Mike Trout's still really good, you know? Like, again, I saw Anthony Rendon hit a left-handed homer. Like, it's – the ball's perfectly <laughs> fine. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I do think that the uh, the rule changes will have a little bit of effect, at least in the the fact that every left-handed hitter, you know, is convinced they're going to hit 400 now with the shift being banned. Um, but I just I, – I don't know. The ball discourse, like, I'm sure in April there will be batted ball data that suggests that there's drag on the ball, and then in May that there will be batted ball data that suggests that actually it's back to normal and everyone will forget that it's colder in May than it is in April or whatever. You know what I'm saying? I just I'm, – I'm over the balls, man. Did, but I, I got to go back. Did this MF just drop an Alan Craig reference? Yeah. Are we talking about Alan Craig on the roundtable? Well, that was because I, I couldn't rem- – who was the guy who was on the Cardinals – and then got traded to the Padres and wasn't good in like 2008. Uh, I'm gonna look it up. Uh, look it up. This is good pod. Did you, I'm, I'm thinking like Jeremy Ryan Giambi, Ludwig. but that's not Ryan Padre. Ludwig. Like I, Ryan Ludwig. Oh, that's how they got. That's how they had to get rid of Corey Kluber. They they got rid of Corey Kluber in that trade. Uh, and Ludwig was uh, not good. 2010. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Damn. It's very, a very. A game of remember them guys. Remember some guys is broken. Pretty good in thirty in twenty twelve. Anyway, that's just I don't know. It just used to be like guys could just stop being good hitters, and there wasn't like a some conspiracy behind it. It was just like oh, baseball is actually really hard. It's super true. Like I, 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 I see where you're going, and I maybe withdraw a little bit. But Jesse Winker, he's twenty eight. Like where does power go? I don't know. He's a big. I don't know. I just. Baseball's hard. Uh, I certainly wouldn't want to be a baseball jam. I, I wouldn't want to analyze the sport for yeah. a living. So, I, I think that's the <laughs> hey, I wanted to. Uh, uh, I was curious what you guys thought about this. Uh, so, Ken Rosenthal had a very interesting column. I guess it was last week talking about the the Dodgers and the Yankees, and the idea of uh, basically taking a sort of like financial step back. Like if you're the Yankees, right, you sign Rizzo, you sign Aaron Judge, and then you just sort of play the kids, play Cabrera, Peraza, you know, clear the deck for Volpe, figure out what you've got, you know, with some of those guys. The Dodgers have been talking up their, um, you know, their their fleet of youngsters, all their prospects, like, um, you know, they're going to they're not going to spend a ton, maybe because, you know, they've got to find a room for this guy and that guy. And, you know, we want to find out if this guy's a member of the rotation, if this guy can play third base every day, blah, blah, blah. And I guess what I wonder is, like, 
I listen to that and I'm like, well, you know, they're good enough now to win enough games to make the playoffs, right? Is it bad for me to think like maybe this isn't a bad idea? Am I being anti-labor if I lean in? Like, I don't know. Like, help help me out here. So as soon as you started saying that, right, like I'm thinking about sort of the shorthand for this idea, which is run it back. Mm. And it's, it's happened a lot. I'm hearing a lot in New York, right, with the Yankees. Oh, they're just going to run it back. Mm-hmm. They're just going to run it back. And it's not like a positive connotation. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Which I understand, right? When you watch your team swing and miss like that against Houston, and like it seems like that team is built to just beat your ass. Like if you're a Yankee fan, I totally get the idea that you'd be repulsed by the idea of running it back. Mm-hmm. Which signing, you know, uh, Rizzo and Judge would be running it yep. back. They won 99 baseball games this year. <laughs> they they won 99 games, and so it's like, uh, you know, with a 200 plus 240 run differential. By the way, like I I mean, so. Yeah, like I, there's a part of me that it's like, okay, I mean, there could be worse things than running it back when you've got a 99 win baseball team on hand that, you know, where it wasn't like a function of luck as evidenced by the 240 plus run differential. I don't know. I mean, so yeah, like it's, I think it's an interesting thought. Um, I I also think that like it's the last thing that any fan wants to hear. I totally get it. Okay, um, and I, it's the last thing certainly any agent wants to hear, sure. and I totally get it. But I mean, yeah, like when you're that good, right? The Dodgers certainly fit the bill. Like you know, some of this is like, um, you know, they got unlucky in the playoffs, man. I mean, well, they didn't they, play well in the playoffs, right? Okay, right. Like, and, and but you know, whether and we talked about this like you know six weeks ago or the last time I was here before my kids got sick. Um, you know, like some of that is. Yeah, I, whether you, the timing of where, when you are playing well is so much a function of just straight sure. up luck. For me, right? if you look at those two, so I think the two teams are are different in that for the Dodgers, you can argue, okay, they should go and get a number one starter in some form or fashion. Uh, maybe that's a free agent. It might make more sense to try and you know convince the Brewers to part with Corbin Burns or something like that. Okay, yeah, they could use a number one. But the real solution for the Dodgers is play better. That's it. Just play better. They have enough play better. With the Yankees, there's such a there's a significant enough gap between them and the Astros right. that you can wonder like, okay, what are they doing? So it's sort of okay. Well, let's think about what the problem are. Well, you need a little bit more contact. You need to get a little bit more left-handed pitching. Pretty much fine. Pitching is as good as anyone. Maybe not as good as the Astros, but pretty darn close. So it's like those are marginal things that you could just say like, well, actually they should sign Carlos Correa. Okay. Yeah. That Carlos Correa makes him better. But I, 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 the idea of running it back and figuring out a little bit about the younger guys and creating a lane for them. Uh, it has some appeal. I don't know. I'm like, I don't, maybe you should just sign Correa. I don't know. They're the Yankees. They can afford it. Right. Right. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the no, right. But I get, I get what you're saying about that appeal to it for sure. Yeah. Right. Because like in the Yankees case, there are some like young, exciting players that I feel like were, are, would warrant the look. So I totally get it from that standpoint. Right. Like and to their credit, like they have those they have that option in play and they have had years where they did not mm-hmm. many years where they did not. Well, they've got a choice to make, I guess, so, you know, allegedly. And so, yeah, I get I get the appeal of that. 
I think what you're describing is the template, the golden ratio of baseball. It's what the Dodgers have been doing. They've just been so good at folding these prospects in at the same time that they've, they're making these trades and they're doing these uh, uh, deals. They Will Smith is basically subsidizing Mookie Betts' contract. Mm. You know, Walker Bueller is huh, basically, yeah. uh, you know, subsidizing uh, Tyler Anderson to a lesser extent. But you have these players, these young players who are underpaid by design. You get a conveyor belt, you get the assembly line going, and they're going to subsidize and allow you to do things like, listen, we know, we know, we're smart enough to know that giving relievers long-term contracts doesn't usually work, but Kenley Jansen, he's our guy, he's going to be around, we can spend money on Kenley Jansen because, look, we're not getting money from Tony Gonsolin, uh, or not paying money to Tony Gonsolin, so that's the template, and you see it with the Astros right now, you Mm -hmm. see what they're doing, they just say, we don't need Carlos Correa, we've got Jeremy Pena, and that's that's always going to be the template. The trick is, as the Giants are finding out, can you get that conveyor belt running? Because it's one thing to point at it and go, yeah, that's how that works. And it's another thing to actually get those players into the lineup or the rotation. And then once you do that, uh, you're golden. But it's like, you know, the the underwear pants gnome where you, or the underwear gnomes where you've got the question marks for step two. They got to do that. And I don't think the Yankees have proven they can do that quite yet. Well, the Dodgers, I would be a little bit more optimistic. About yeah, it. that's the question with the Yankees. They got to prove they got to prove their conveyor belt works. Or they got to mm-hmm. trade their guys, mm-hmm. right? Like you got because they have yeah. uh, for you know. All right, everyone go like this: earmuffs, earmuffs. They have assets, right, in the younger players. They need to figure <laughs> out if they're gonna play for the Yankees or they're gonna play elsewhere, right? Uh, and you can yeah. only scout that so much at the non-major league level, you know. So Peraza, Cabrera, you know, Volpe, Dominguez, all these guys coming. Like, you know, you, you got to figure out if the conveyor belt works, and maybe like I would. Yeah, I, I would take that to like the level up beyond just those kids but like what when you know grant i love the way he phrased that the, the guys who are subsidizing the other players with the bigger contracts glaber torres needs to be doing that glaber torres at one point was doing that yeah. not so much anymore and so when you talk about the conveyor belt right the yankees had young players that they were leaning on they actually did this the 2017 team that took the astros to the brink right the baby bombers all that group well what has happened to that conveyor belt like that group hasn't achieved very much except for Aaron Judge, right? right. Like, I mean, a lot of those guys aren't even playing uh, for the Yankees anymore. And so, yeah, I think that is an open question in New York is does this quote-unquote conveyor belt work, right? And then, look, Labor Torres had a lot of success coming up earlier on and like it sort of mm-hmm. faded away, had a hard time adjusting at shortstop, hasn't been the same offensive player. Um, yeah, so it's not just getting them there but also maintaining that level of performance, right? And, and uh, yeah, the Yankees have a lot to prove there. And development comes at you quickly because last year when you sort of heard the whispers of Juan Soto might get traded and you're thinking, no, 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 no. Well, what if he could get traded? What if the Nationals were wacky enough to trade Juan Soto? Who would be, who would have the prospects to get that haul? Well, last offseason, it was the Giants. The Giants, they had a deep farm system. They had all these mm. first-round picks. They had Luis Matos was this guy and the and then four months later, they could not compete for Juan Soto because the farm system came at them fast. They're still waiting for that conveyor belt. And that's a big reason why they're having to go out and go, okay, uh, Aaron Judge. Uh, okay, Aaron Judge doesn't want to come. Now it's Carlos Correa. Like they're in that position now. They don't want to be. They want to be where the Dodgers or the Yankees, where you're saying they might go, where it's like, hey, let's uh, fold these guys in and let's, you know, build around the edges and we'll be fine. That's where the Giants want to be. They're just not right now. 
But they could sign Aaron Judge. I think they could. I think that they won't, and I think that their <laughs> fan base really thinks they will. And so it's going to be. Oh, that's a good. That's always a great paradigm. Yeah, it's going to be uh, opening the package under the tree, and it's Mitch Hanniger. <laughs> Mitch Hanniger. Yay, Mitch Hanniger. Hey, Grant, I'm feeling. I'm. I'm feeling a little homesick. What's the discourse on KNBR about this right now? Uh, What's Phil like- and Moraga got for us? It's just, it's just judge. It's just judge, 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 judge. Yeah. Uh, and it, I wrote a column about, uh, I think the Giants should sign Cody Ballinger uh, just to oh, be. Oh, I bet you, know, you that. Like, I bet you people love that. Loved it. They hated that. And it's, I, I, my argument is that uh, he's just like Kevin Kiermeyer. Like, just expect Kevin Kiermeyer. Sure. And if he hits 30 home runs, look at the genius. Look at your big genius, Braden Pulsing. Um, but yeah, I just think it makes a lot of sense. But yeah, people hate it. The mood on KNBR is just uh, when announced judge. It's like the people, the reply guys <laughs> under Rosenthal. Mm. Hey, announce judge. Ken, we talk judge to the Mets. You know, like that's all. It's just judge to the Giants. That's it. Man, I miss KNBR at times like this. Boy, I do. <laughs> and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I've got them signing a shortstop. I think they're going to get one of the shortstops. Ooh. I, you know, I, I, the more I look Ooh. into it, and I agree, they have so much – they have so much uh, – so many defensive holes to patch Mm -hmm. in the one that they don't is shortstop right now, right now. And so if you have a guy like Trey Turner, you can put it second for a year. If he's willing to do that, that makes a ton of sense to me. If you are getting Carlos Correa and then you're saying Brandon Crawford, you are now a super utility guy at third and short. I agree that that could make the giants better, obviously, but I'm not sure if all of a sudden now you have, uh, the defense is still a little porous and Carlos Correa isn't like that much of a Mike Trout stud as far as, you know, he's got 800 plus OPS every year, but not a 900 plus, not a thousand plus. So I don't know. That's where I go. Do you know Carlos Without- Correa in a platinum glove? I do. I mentioned it maybe five times in a recent article, maybe six. Why? I just give platinum. <laughs> platinum. Hey, so did Jose Trevino. Hey, now. <laughs> Hey, no. Um, okay, those two shortstops, without looking at the numbers at all, right? Like, I mean, is one better than the other in your mind? Like, when you're talking about the Giants, I mean, you're talking about fits. Like, you, you looked at it as fits, but, like, 
just all things being equal, right? Like, you know, do you like one of those players better than the other? I, I think just in general for almost any team, I kind of like Turner a little bit more uh, just because of the new rules and the pickoff throws mm-hmm. being limited. And he's, he's already stealing bases at a wacky rate. He's got that 99th uh, percentile sprint speed. I think I like him as a – he's a fun player. I think Correa is a really, really, really good player, talented player. But it's he's more of like the sum of the parts kind of player where he does everything well. Uh, he's not standing out. I think he's never hit 30 home runs. Uh, he's not hitting 350s. You know, he's, he's doing everything really well. But Turner's like a guy you can point to and just go like, wow, every so often in a different way. Um, mm-hmm. But Correa's the better fielder. So if you want shortstop defense – uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but Correa won a platinum glove. That's one above gold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I am so biased by when I actually watch them play. Uh, and I tend to watch Trey Turner mostly in October. Um, I- I'm Correa like all, like all day, every day. Turner's great. He does a lot of things really well. But the Giants, we're not just talking about fit for a baseball team. Right. You're talking about like face of the franchise. You're talking about mm-hmm. like what is what is the giant? What are the giants moving through this decade? Right. And Trey Turner is just not that sort of presence. And that's perfectly fine. He's still a great baseball player who's going to be very well compensated and will make another team good next year. But he is not a guy you're going to put on billboards. Right. And for me, of the position player class, like the two guys who fit that sort of uh, both the uh, ability and the presence and the sort of understanding of all that comes with that are Judge and Correa. Yeah. See, I just wrote about that, and I don't put Correa in the billboard class. I think it's just Judge and Judge and Judge. And maybe you can extend it to the guys that people have heard of, whether it's Verlander or DeGrom. But for me, the only billboard player is Judge. Correa is a great player, does everything well, but I just don't know if you're going to get uh, uh, Chet and Daly City to buy in to, Aaron, to Carlos Correa as easily as it is for Judge. Well, no, I mean, it's certainly a tougher sell. I mean, one guy just broke the American League record for yeah. uh, home runs, which was a record we all knew and thought about before this year. Uh, <laughs> and talked about very often. Uh, and the uh, other guy is like a five, six win shortstop who, you know, happens to be connected to the worst cheating scandal in, you know, in the past 100 years. But Correa, I think, is uh, I probably would bet on him over the next 10 years over Judge. I don't know if I bet on him more next year, but over the next five. Yeah, definitely. He's younger. So this- he play He's plays, uh, you know, a, a more important defensive position and he plays it better. Um, and he's been consistently a really good hitter. The injuries kind of are what they are. He's gotten banged up. but And I think that it is the way he conducted himself uh, in sort of taking on a leadership role in the wake of the sign-stealing scandal at a time when Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, uh, George Springer clearly did not want to be the face of that. Uh, Correa's willingness to sort of take the brunt of it, it doesn't excuse his involvement in the scandal, but the way he um, – Essentially, it was just like, I will be the point man for this. Uh, I think bodes well for his sort of standing in, in, in clubhouses moving forward. Uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm overphrasing that. Uh, there's, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm overstating that. But I do think that there were people in the game who looked at that and uh, at least weren't 
put off by it per se. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know. I, I mean, do we still get yelled at for like saying anything besides they should have? I don't whatever. Twitter's dead, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anyway. Like, look, I, I, I that's a great point about Correa's like, you know, presence. I, I think that, and and he really did um, represent himself as well as he could. He wore it. Yeah. Right, like he stood up there and he wore it. Yeah, um, but I would pick him for another reason, and and you you hinted at it a little bit, Andy, about who you'd bet on in the next five years or ten years. I think Carlos Correa is so smart, knows his game so well that when things start to go south, maybe the body's not the same as it was, his game changes because of it or whatever. I'd bet on that dude figuring out a way to make it work, mm-hmm. and That's I think point. that is to me and and maybe this goes all into that intangibles bucket like that front facing element that leadership element but also just the dude's really smart Mm -hmm. and understands why he has success when he talks about his craft it's something that has always stuck out to me about carlos correa this guy understands why it works Mm -hmm. and maybe why it doesn't Mm -hmm. and that's not universal i think they all do to a certain extent carlos correa has that when I listen to him talk, it feels like it's a whole different level. So for me, those are the guys where you're like, okay, five years from now, how does this look? Mm-hmm. I'm going to bet on that guy figuring it out. Right. And I think that's really impressive. And this says something about him too. Like he's just a really sharp dude. Right. That That's part of why I actually really liked um, Texas's deal with Marcus Simeon is I think Simeon is a similar yeah. sort of player, someone who has – and mm-hmm. he obviously like – he didn't have a great year offensively. He was like in the toilet all year, but he finished with an above average, uh, like, you know, WRC plus he was like a four win player. You know, he's, that's a guy who understands how to manage failure. And I think to your point, it's not the judge lacks those qualities. He's obviously a very, uh, sophisticated hitter thinker. He's done some things to change, uh, you know, his routine to be more, uh, to keep his body more like supple and able to handle the grind. The thing that he has going against him is he's six foot seven, two hundred and eighty pounds. Right. And that, as you get older, will become a bigger problem in a way that Correa, while he is oversized for a shortstop, does not have those sort of just the the uh, uh, impending limitations of his frame per se. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I mean, look, I mean, we've seen this with Aaron Judge. He's just not on the field. Right. Well, he's had parts of his career where he's straight up just not. He can't go. If you but if like, you buy his argument though, that that's that that is a result of things that he has changed. Right. And and I do. And over the last the couple way, years, like, he's I do been on buy the field. That. Like yeah. he's posted. I mean, this guy, but like, yeah, it's also he's six seven, he's massive. Right. Um, you know, plays hard to his credit. But yeah, he's got all those things too, for sure. Like he's I mean, that guy understands his swing. Yes. Right. And he's proven it over and over again. And like Marcus Simeon, by the way, Andy, what a great example. His career trajectory shows you that he understands how to handle failure, yes. adjust it because he understands his game, right? Like this is a guy that's had, you know, people write him off, right? right? Or like, this is, this is not going to happen for him and look at him. So I think that's partly a matter of just like knowing yourself that well. And like, yeah, he's a really intelligent person too, right? Like these are three really sharp people. Um, and I think this is where it plays in baseball. It's like, do you understand why you're having success? Because if you do that, you can make adjustments as things begin to change around you. All right. This has been episode 33 of the Roundtable. If you're joining us late, I'll catch you up. Uh, Andy McCullough described Aaron Judge as supple. 
Uh, that is your hot stove update for today. We will be back at the winter meetings, I think, is our next episode. Uh, where oh, we are, geez. We're going to be in person, I think, right? Oh, baby. In the lobby. Love it. We'll be in the lobby. All the greats will be there. All the greats. Is it, See, but this is different because yeah. you can actually like physically lord over me, Andy. Like you could just sit next to me and when I make a stupid point, you can get all like tall <laughs> and then I'll just go, okay, I'm sorry, sir. What, what's your stat line, Grant? Uh, let's see. I am five eight one sixty. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. You're in some trouble. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a short king. Short We're king, not. That's not a short. What is what? What is short? Uh, see here. When I was growing up, like five seven was average. But then the kids with their B hormones, uh, like we <laughs> talked about, uh, they 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 shot up. So uh, I think short is anything under five nine. I think it's like maybe five ten. Like that's I'm short. Mm. Yeah. I recently described uh, Bryson Stott to some of my friends as not tall, and they yeah. were like, "He's six two. and I'm like, "That's not tall." Like that's you know. Oof. But I guess tall. maybe that's maybe tall. that is tall. I don't know. I'm six foot three, so anything shorter than me, you're not tall, dude. I I stood next to Monte Ellis one time, and we little Monte Ellis, and he was <laughs> giant, just freaking to, could pick me up by the head and throw me into the hoop. So yeah, yeah, it's all a matter. Of pers- you should walk around the Yankees clubhouse sometime. Brian Cashman has many things that he likes in players. He likes big boys. Like Always. That, he he likes big there's big fellas in that room. I mean Dude, he had pictures that looked like that. Dellen Batansis. A role as Chapman. Right. right. Like they all like I would what? I would get a lot of DMs from Lindsay Adler mm. about this very topic. Oh yeah. Just like, you know, I was interviewing X today. Oh my god. Jameson Tyone like, is a giant. Players. Just just yeah. big fellas. Yeah. yeah. He likes I just, I really, interest. it's up, upsetting to me that Judge and Stanton are generally considered nice people. I would love them to be very angry and uh, have the ass. And then maybe one day in the clubhouse, just, uh, you know, Godzilla King Kong go, going at it. I don't know. Well, Grant, you could have, you could have covered John Roush like I did. Oh, did he have the ass? You know, <laughs> he, he, he was, he was well known for having the ass. I actually found him to be, uh, he, he, uh, he was one of those guys who was, was a just, prickly sort. You just understood, like, this guy kind of has the ass and he doesn't like uh, doing this, per se, like talking. But, like, he was actually very pleasant, you know, like, under those constraints. Like, Mike, Mike right. Puma has a story about him. You go up to him as a locker. You're like, John, you got a minute? And just look up at you. Regarding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, see, like, like, that, that genre of guy is gone. Like, I know. The, I miss that. Those actually. guys are. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- those guys are gone. Yeah. It's like, they are. it's, I, and, and to an extent, like I, I miss it almost. Right. The like, media trained it out. of Yeah. It, like they've, they've, you know, because when you could get some of those times you get guys like that talking and they'd be really interesting That's and right. they would say stuff that like, you know, they hadn't talked about like, and you'd have story, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, Tony Singrani was like that. And uh, I remember one spring training, you know, uh, Ken Gurnick had this great story about Tony Singrani, like, living in a van and like climbing Kilimanjaro or something like that. And I was just like, how did you like get like that guy never talks? Like, how'd you do that? You know? And then you, I don't know. And now it's just, I don't know. I missed the, I'm not saying we should be mistreated. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not arguing for that, but I do, I do miss before guys got the sort of inherent uh, ass, uh, you know, media trained out of them per se. Yes, no, totally. Media trained is exactly what happened. Yeah. And like, you know, it's hard, but like once you break through, it's like you want them to stay that way because you knew that everyone else was going to like stay away from them. Yeah. 
you know, like that. I, I remember <clears throat> Lucas Duda, who we both covered. Like yeah. Lucas is one of the quietest people, like legitimately super quiet, just very reserved. And I remember um, being in L.A. and you know he's from Southern California, and somebody from his hometown paper goes over there to try to talk to him, mm -hmm. and like it's going poorly, yeah. right? Like we're I'm looking over, it's a minute in, and, and I hear the guy go, "Boy, you're really gonna make me work for this, aren't you?" <laughs> and Lucas, like without even just like, "Yep." <laughs> and again like then, but he's a classic example like you know he isn't he wasn't like cranky like andy's talking but like he was a quiet guy but once you broke through that yeah like he could be super insightful you know and i remember you know look Luke, mets fans know this like lucas duda was in the middle of one of the most infamous plays in, in team history right and i remember it was a rough off season for him in the following spring Right. This guy who just didn't like to talk like one day we just had a conversation and he basically laid out what it was like to go through that, like the feelings of like having had a moment like that and, and wearing it pretty much the entire winter. So this is, it's like a perfect example. Like this is a guy you never think would do that. But then, you know, you're around enough or whatever, like sometimes they do. And I think that's fun. Hey, Grant, can you ring the bell? I, I gotta. Oh, I don't even. Don't you start. Just ring the bell. Don't, for, just no. quick, if we're gonna have a bell, bell for that, we have a bell for every time you mention the Royals. That's what. No, no, no. This is what the bell is for, dummy. If you had listened to the show when you weren't around, Grant came up with a bell that we ring every time I talk about the Royals. And what oh. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, as the glue guy, what I was gonna say is, I think actually Hosmer's safe, even if he makes a good throw. I really believe that. Probably. I really believe that. Probably. I believe that. That's that's my hot take. Is I think he actually right. would have been safe. He was coming in hot. It's not an easy turn. I think he's safe. Maybe that's not. Silly. I don't know. If that it's a great bad. with a great throw, with a great throw that he brings him in down here, I think he's out. But with Does Grant, a, even know what we're referring to, like so Grant, I, I kind of do, but like I had to. I had to write on an index card that the Astros won the 2022 World <laughs> Series before this podcast. So, like, I'm a little hazy. Yeah, Grant, Grant's, Grant's brain of his memory of baseball just sort of shuts off after uh, uh, Pablo Sandoval catches the last out of 2014. Sandoval falls on his back and then Grant's mind just goes black. Just it's like the McCovey Cove uh, Instagram. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I mean, hey, listen, like, I can tell you about – when I see Tony Perez Chica, and he is a, uh, I want to say he's a Diamondbacks coach, first base coach, uh, maybe third base coach. I'm not sure, but I see Tony's per Tony Perez Chica, and I go, oh, man, that guy on the Giants, he he wasn't so good. Like, that's where my baseball brain is. I'm not watching the baseball on the field. I'm thinking about the coaches because this guy was a random bench player from 1995 or whatever. So uh, that's that's where I'm at. And that's, I think, we all have to find our own path in this life. <laughs> All right, this has been episode 33. We are way over time. Uh, we will be back at the winter meetings. Uh, Andy will lord over uh, myself and Mark uh, with his uh, gigantic, intimidating uh, glue guy frame. And we'll see you water. then. Thanks for listening.